gospel for today, Luke 12th chapter, 13th verse. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator for you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is for those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Bob. Grace to you and peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I started vegetable gardening in 2009, it was a matter of utility. It was the Great Recession, and I wanted cheap food. Gardening would let me manipulate my backyard into fresh salads. The soil would become a tool I used to save money as I grew the plants. That's how I viewed gardening. Something I did. Something I controlled. Well, that changed as soon as the seeds sprouted. I had gone to bed that night, and there was just soil. But when I woke up the next morning, there were rows of tiny spinach, tomato, and pea plants poking up their heads. It was shocking. I literally gasped and shouted, plants! I had never seen anything so amazing, and I examined them over and over again with a fearful curiosity, as though a UFO had landed next to my garage. I kept on thinking, but where did they come from? I knew I had planted the seeds, of course, but it was a deeper question. Life had just shown up in my backyard. It wasn't something I did. I hadn't been able to force it forth with my own strength. These plants didn't wait for my permission or conform to my timeline. They simply showed up. It was a miracle. Here in my backyard were rows and rows of living things that could never be duplicated by any of our efforts. Think about it. 
You could spend your whole lifetime trying, but you will never be able to build a spinach plant with your own two hands. I watched that garden with a sense of astonishment in the coming months as sprouts developed leaves and eventually uncurled themselves into flowers. And as bees and butterflies, guided by some fantastic unseen sense, found their way from miles around to pollinate these flowers and turn them into fruits. And as I harvested and ate, thinking about how wild it is that we are fed by a process that lies far beyond our control. It is a humbling thing to garden. You are face to face with the reality that your life depends on plants and insects successfully doing their thing. They can't even conceive what a human is, these plants and insects, yet all humanity relies on them for our survival. It's unlikely and wild, and it happens every day. How can you encounter the astounding mystery of a tomato and not be reverent? How can you not fall silent for witnessing a miracle as grand as a snap pea? Jesus makes it clear when he tells the parable in this morning's text, it is the land that produces this abundant harvest. These gifts of life are a mystery, the work of systems that lie far beyond human control. And yet, the man who lives on this productive land does not receive these gifts in a spirit of thankfulness. This miraculous and mysterious gift of a good harvest only produces anxiety in him. How will I store it all? How can I keep it all to myself? How can I make sure that I stay in control here? He's sitting in the middle of a field of miracles, yet he cannot see any of them. What has clouded his eyes? Daniel Erlander, a Lutheran pastor, pastor from Washington, has written many illustrated books that explore our faith with both wit and wisdom. Adults at Mount Olivet will have the opportunity to read Manna and Mercy, his retelling of the whole Bible, along with me and Pastor Beth this fall. In another one of his books, Daniel Erlander creatively retells the creation story from the Bible. Instead of the serpent and apple bit, he talks about the first sin this way. One day after God created humans, one human shows up holding a tally mark. What's that? The other humans ask. 
It's a point, he says. Well, what's a point, they ask him. Well, I'm not sure, but I have one, and you don't. From that moment, all the other humans wanted points. They didn't know why, but scoring points made them feel better than other humans, and that felt thrilling. So they started looking for points in all sorts of ways, bossing each other around, piling up stuff, starting and winning wars, dominating nature, and reaching for the glorious heights of health and beauty and status. God was confused by all this point chasing. This wasn't what God had in mind at creation. God made humans for friendship, to live as companions with each other and the earth and the God who made them. And so what God did was to send Jesus into the world to show the futility of piling up points and to restore friendship between humans and the earth and God. Now, many people heard Jesus' message throughout history and followed in his way. They gave up their points, and so they became pointless. This is what Daniel Erlander calls the church, the pointless people. It doesn't mean they don't work. It doesn't mean they neglect to plan ahead. It doesn't mean they're not important. It just means they don't have a point. And that, I think, is what grace looks like. It's the freedom from trying to turn life into anything more than the gift it already is. The freedom from seeing this life as a race or competition or something that we think we must make or earn. And the freedom to embrace the life that comes to us by grace. A life that has no point outside of being present to it and the gifts it contains and sharing those gifts in friendship. This is where our rich land-owning friend comes in. He is submerged in the race for points. He is convinced that he is here on earth to make something of himself by getting ahead of others. That is the point of life for him, earning points. And this drive, it warps his worldview and robs him from seeing God and the gifts that God is giving him day by day. Look at all of the things in this story that come to this man as a pure gift. The land he lives on, which is able to grow food. A larger than normal harvest, which is the result not of his work, but the everyday alchemy of sun, rain, soil, plant, and insect. He has the gift of imagination, the ability to imagine his future and what it might bring. And he has the gift of his own life, 
his soul, the imprint of the living God living in him. Yet he is so thirsty for points that he does not recognize these gifts. You can tell by the pronouns he uses. It's always I, me, my. It's never us or ours. It's never the earth's. It's never God's. You want a quick read on how deep into the race for points you are? Watch your pronouns. The joke about this landowner, of course, is that he fails in his quest to heap up points. Despite his attempt to conquer life by his effort, his life is demanded of him that very night. And so he lives his whole life without really living because he has failed to recognize the gifts of God in his midst. I had a professor who said, when we die and meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, I don't think his first question is going to be, were you good? Or what did you accomplish? It's going to be, did you enjoy it? Did you show up to your own life? That's the point. Not to build, not to succeed, not to heap up possessions or status or power or points. It's simply to be present to our lives and to the God whose great joy it was to create each of us and put us in community. And then to freely share all that has been freely given to us as we strike up companionship with all humanity and all creation. Yes, it's a pointless existence, but it is a true one. And the only way for us to taste this true life is to give up all hope of ever being able to earn it ourselves, to abandon our points, and to see instead the God who gives us life as a gift, to moderate our eyes and knees with we's and ours, God's and the earth's, to name the ways that we are daily sustained by gracious forces outside of our control. It is then that we see God drawing us into true life, into friendship with others and the earth and with God's own self. It is then that we can loosen our grip and need for control and share what has freely been given to us. It is then that we can see the astounding mystery of a tomato and miracles as grand as snap peas. The landowner's life was demanded from him that very night, so he never got to see a miracle so grand. But you, you still have your life. May you see such wonders May you know this life as a gift and the God who freely gives it. And may you live out your days 
among the ranks of the pointless people. Amen. <laughs>